Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. Welcome to Hugh at Home. I'm Tracy Koga. Well, I used to love June. It was the end of the school year and the kids were getting excited about summer, graduation, the Red River X, and also the Winnipeg Jazz Festival were all happening in this month. There's so much going on in this city. Well, flash forward to June of 2021, we're still in lockdown and fingers are crossed that we could have some semblance of summer yet. But today on Hugh at Home, we'll have some great conversations. I'll sit down with singer-songwriter Susie Ungerleider, who is not only creating some interesting music, she's also reinventing herself. But right now, I'll get down to business with life and business coach Linda Dristowicz. Well, it is so good to have a nice conversation with you, Linda. Um, and I want to thank you so much for your segments on Hugh at Home. I, all of them just resonate so much. And I want to actually take this time to learn more about your business as a life and business coach and the difference between life and business because pre-pandemic, oh my goodness, we were heading for a catastrophe because <laughs> most of us could not separate our personal lives from our business lives. Absolutely. And thank you for having me, Tracy. I really appreciate it. I've just thoroughly enjoyed everything to do with Hugh, you know, Hugh crew and Hugh at home. It's just been, uh, just been just such a great community be, to be a part of during the pandemic. It's brought, I've met amazing people through you and uh, you know, I just feel so much more connected to our community and really inspired by the people in our community. So I wanted to talk today about business and life coaching. And I love this question because it's, it's something that I've had to work through myself. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between business and life coaching? And really there's not much because business coaching is what I offer my clients. But when you're coaching somebody, you're coaching the whole person. So what happens when somebody comes to me with their business and they want coaching, what we do is we inevitably, we start with, you know, talking about the business and the business goals. But what happens is you start to see where life is impacting the business and all of the mindset issues that go into running a business. Uh, start to come up. So really when you're doing business coaching, it's really you're coaching the whole person. And, you know, I, uh, I work with um, uh, one client right now. She's a, she calls herself a mompreneur. So she's a uh, business owner and she has young kids. 
-hmm. And so, you know, I'm helping her on her business, but at the same time, you know, we're talking about boundaries. How do you set boundaries with kids? How do you ask for more help from your husband? How do you value your own wants and needs and your own need for rest and uh, fun and pleasure? So what happens when you're, you know, you're starting about, you know, coaching on the offer and, and we do that as well. You know, we coach about, you know, different uh, email funnels and how to connect online and all of those things. But at the same time, you're also coaching on mindset issues and which is, is general life coaching. Things mm -hmm. like, um, you know, a lot of women who have businesses and are using the very wonderful free media uh, presence on social media. You know, there's just tremendous opportunities, but what happens is all sorts of things come up. I don't wanna be seen on camera. I don't wanna be the face of my business. I, you know, am I gonna look fat on camera? You know, are people gonna make fun of me? What will people think? Do I sound too full of myself? Like all of these things come up, right? Mm -hmm. When you're talking about your business. And so when I, when I think about business coaching, I do see it as coaching, you know, the whole, the whole person. And one thing I like to, remind clients of is, you know, how you show up for one thing in your life is often how you show up for other things. So if you are in business and you are having trouble uh, uh, keeping to your business plan, you know, we look at other areas of life where you also might not be showing up for yourself. You know, maybe you make a commitment to your to do yoga times a week and then you brush that off or maybe you've decided you know I'm you know not going to eat after seven o'clock and every night after seven o'clock the chips come out you know it's it's how do you show up uh, in each facet of your life also will indicate how you show up in your business so mm -hmm. um, it is a very holistic approach that I use. Well, you must have a lot of patience, but I mean, you bring up things that are, that are so similar, right? I mean, we've all gone through it, but especially now, Linda, and and you yourself in this line of business, there's a lot of business coaches and life coaches out there. Uh, as a as a client, how how do you bet best pick, or how do you pick the best coach? That is such a great question because there are a lot of coaches right now which i think is amazing i think this industry is just exploding right now and it is um for me it's an exciting opportunity and i welcome the more the merrier the more coaches there are out there the more people are going to realize that it's a very normal thing to want to have a coach, to want to have a, a mentor in your life or a, a person in your life who shows up just for you, you know, holds space, you know, is that, that kind of, um, it's not your family or your friends who have, you know, their own agendas for you or their own history with you. This is, a coach just shows up and it sees you in your full potential. 
your full possibility and is cheerleading you on to get to those goals and often is you know holding belief for you when you don't believe it yourself i think that's mm -hmm. one of the biggest parts of a coach is when you have that doubt and you are like going yeah i just i don't think i can make this work you know your coach is you know on your on your side is on your team and is is cheering you on so how do you choose a coach that's right for you you know Honestly, it's just vibe. Like, honestly, it is really just that simple. It's who do you vibe with? Like, who do you want to spend time with? You know, who do you think would be really fun to spend an hour with each week? It's really that simple. It, there's no, um, there's no great, uh, there's no great way of, of determining the best way. I hired a coach for myself, um, uh, last year, I think it was in October. And it was a great reminder for me because she was wonderful, just an amazing coach. And I actually ended up hiring her to coach my daughter when my daughter was struggling with school and was just like spiraling down with the pandemic and the, you know, the online world. And she was just lost. I hired the same coach that I used and she was so good with my daughter. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh, what a blessing. Uh, just completely turned her attitude around and her, her outlook on life. And, um, and she did the same thing for me. She was just tremendously helpful. I hired her. I never once looked at her website. I don't even think she had a website at that point. I did her on. I did didn't, um, you know, uh, other than we had met once through, um, uh, another coach had set up a one hour console. So anyway, so Jen, uh, and I do recommend her to a lot of people because she is so wonderful. And I had met her through a, another coach and we just clicked and it was something for me that was just she can help me. And I think that is the criterion when you are hiring a coach is you have that thought, she can help me or he can help me mm -hmm. or, you know, they get me or, you know, they're going to, um, they're the one who can really help me get to my goal. You know, it's really that, it's really that simple. And it's really, you know, listening to your gut is what I would say. Trust your gut. So how did you get interested in becoming a coach? You know, it's, I started my business about three years ago as a writer and editor. And uh, that's my background. I, uh, I love writing. I love editing. I love anything to do with words. And at the time, there was a couple things going on. Um, my mom was diagnosed with dementia and she had always been a fantastic public speaker, amazing woman, amazing teacher. She was, um, a lot of people used to say she's, she was ahead of her time and she really was, you know, I remember years ago and, you know, when I was a teenager, you know, she'd be marching at take back the night and she was just a really, she was always a, a champion for LGBTQ rights. Um, and, so, and she was an amazing 
advocate. She spoke up for seniors, um, and she was really uh, a very powerful person. And as she um, uh, got further into dementia, she was losing her ability to speak and to write, which bothered her so much. It was so hard to see. But it inspired in me that uh, a moment of like, it's now or never feeling in me. I need to use my voice. I need to uh, support other women to use their voice. It was something very, um, very strong in me. And so I started to do more trainings and offer more uh, group coaching, you know, on public speaking, on using your voice, on, um, you know, stepping into your power and stepping into your, uh, even your ability to make wealth was, was mm -hmm. important to me. And so I started to do more group coaching and, you know, it was something that I just, everything just clicked for me. The, you know, years of studying personal development, um, I was always fascinated by why people choose to make the decisions they, they do. I always was interested in personal growth and everything started to come together. And so I decided to go, you know what, I'm just going for it. I'm going to, you know, put out my service as a one-on-one -on -one coach. And, you know, at, you know, from being in business, everything comes up for you when you go into business for yourself, all yeah. your self-doubts, all your worries, all of your imposter syndrome and who do I think I am? And, you know, this isn't going to ever work. All of those things start to come up for you. And I was inspired by those feelings in myself because I thought if I've got them, I know all the other women who I'm meeting in business, because I was meeting a lot at the time, have those same doubts and those same fears. And that is held us back for too long. And I really became so passionate about helping people to get beyond those fears, to stop letting those um, those self-critical voices mm -hmm. it, that, that just we wake up with and, you know, are hammering at us all day long. I just, I was tired of it in my own brain and I knew that I could help other women get beyond that and really be able to put their dreams and their passions out into the world. Because I truly believe that our world will be a stronger, better place if more women follow their uh, dreams and their uh, business goals, you know, and they're, I, I just see this beautiful um, expansion, you know, me being able to help uh, the clients that I do help. And I mean, I have a, a social media following who, you know, who also are served by my words, you know, I just see so many of the business owners are uh, service-based and they are, they have great hearts and they want to empower other people. So it's just this beautiful opening up. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really, it really is my passion and I'm thrilled to be able to work it, in my passion every day. Oh, I know, right? It's, it's not work. It's definitely not work for you. Nope. No, and then it, it's a beautiful story, and it's I think at, at such an important time for women, for people of color, you know, uh, for all of those that don't have a voice to get the courage and get the coaching.
to have that voice and that confidence. And uh, I really want to thank you because, uh, you know, the little chats that we have or, you know, when you join us on the Hue virtual chat, it's always inspiring. And uh, you really do have a gift. And Thanks. we just want to get the word out. She's open for, she's open for I business. Am, I'm open for business. <laughs> and I am delighted to take on new clients. And, you know, I just wanted to say that you know, when we speak of women of color and uh, people who have had, you know, such a struggle in mm -hmm. our society, Indigenous people, uh, um, uh, Black-owned people who have, you know, um, that those had, their stories are so important and they are often the ones that struggle the hardest to get their stories out there. Mm -hmm. So I'm so appreciative of your channel, of your, you know, your mission, which is to get stories from all sorts of people out there uh, to empower each other. I think that's just, it's so aligned with what I do. And, uh, you know, I'm just thrilled to be a part of this community. Oh, well, thank you so much, Linda. from beautiful Vancouver, connected virtually, of course, but hey, that's the beauty about doing all of these Zoom calls. Uh, so good to see you, Susie. Uh, you know, Great. and I want to say welcome to Winnipeg a little bit. You know, you've <laughs> been you've been to Winnipeg before and, yes. uh, you know, and I guess under a, a different name. And, you know, first of all, congratulations on the new coming out, our soon to come out album and uh, some amazing singles. We'll talk about Mount Royal but you released Baby Blues. Uh, what has this year been like for you, Susie Ungerleider? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, Tracy. Um, this year, uh, it's, I feel very lucky to say that I've actually felt more connected to people in a weird way mm -hmm. because I'm having these regular discussions with people and I can see people from all across the country like we're making more of an effort to actually connect mm -hmm. and even though I can't see people in person I yeah I feel like I have got a lot of community around and I'm very lucky to be in a place where I can go outside and experience nature and the weather has been you know it's mild here as opposed to winter peg so yeah. Okay. And well, then I, I feel lucky because I I did make this record, you know, mostly before the pandemic started. So I've anticipated 
the release of this and then also it's been time of reflection and contemplation about you know doing this name transformation and and all this stuff so i feel i feel good i feel badly for people who are in much worse situations than i am okay so susie how is this album maybe a little bit different then uh, because, you know, we'll talk definitely about the name change, formerly Oh Susanna, but now you're taking your own original name back. Mm-hmm. Let's, well, let me see. I think that this, it's interesting. I worked very closely with uh, singer-songwriter Jim Bryson, and he produced the record. And we made it very, very kind of little bits at a time. So I would... I would have a few songs and then I'd go to Ottawa. I was living in Toronto, so it wasn't that difficult to get there. And I would go to Ottawa for a few days and I would camp out with him in his little backyard studio. And he's got all these cedar trees around. It's really beautiful. And we'd work just the two of us mostly together. Mm -hmm. And I would play the songs and kind of watch him create this soundscape behind it. And it was very intimate, very personal feeling and at the end of it, he was saying, you know, I really feel like we found your sound, that it's very true to, to who you are instead of trying to fit into a genre or fit into some other kind of category. It's just an expression of how you see things. And so I guess it matched. I mean, at that time, we weren't really you know, when I was recording, I wasn't really thinking about the name change or doing that at all. It just, it kind of emerged after the, most of the record was done. But he said, you know, it really makes a lot of sense that you're going to back to your name with this record because it feels like it's much more about something coming from you rather than a genre or, or a tradition. Oh, and that is so interesting because that- I kind of see a new wave of artists, especially female artists, emerging out of this pandemic and isolation and figuring and pivoting and, and whatever other words you want to put in there, but being authentic. Mm. I don't know if that yeah. resonates with you, but it's so funny that you shared that on what this whole point in your life is is moving towards. and. Uh, you know, it's like, and I, you know, it's, I, I think a lot to do with social media and everything like that. But I think females especially are being able to have a voice and not be afraid. Um, mm, yeah. Being vulnerable and being able to just go, this is, this is me or this is instead of, you know, that's what I think with Oh Susanna, it was a, it was a nice shield in a way or a big, a cloak that I could put on and and so I decided to take it off. I mean, it was, it was interesting. I think it was kind of a gradual thing psychologically, and I wasn't really conscious of it. But I think over the last few years, I've been kind of feeling a little disconnected from that persona that I had taken on. You know, I d- decided to use it like 25 years ago. <laughs> so it was, you know, something that, when you're younger, sometimes you decide to do things and they make sense at the time. And then as you get older, you're like, well, maybe I need to go back to who I was or what that means. And also, well, I was going to ask then too, um, you do this change or this, you know, transformation. When you get back into live performance, will we see a new Susie 
or you know, are there going to be people that are wanting Oh Susanna back? I, I, I'm I'm kind of wondering about that because I mean, coming back for an artist, no matter what, connecting with an audience is so important. Yeah, it was interesting. Somebody even asked me, "Are you going to perform your old songs?" And I was like, "Of course I am," because <laughs> you know, they're still my songs and. I've never really hidden the fact that my name is Susie Ungerleiter. It's like, it's something that I've always kind of had side by side or, or just behind the, the curtain kind of thing. And it's interesting. I don't know if I'm going to consciously be aware of doing anything different. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will create some kind of difference. Maybe in my f- attitude about something or in the kind of stories I tell or... But I think I've, you know, doing music over a long time, I've always tried to tell stories and sometimes tell other people's stories as if they were my own. And I think that as time went on, I was being more honest about what my stories were. And so maybe that is what will emerge now. Oh, it's also exciting I think too and especially in in these times where uh, you know we're all trying to find I guess our our lane right because everything Mm -hmm. the world has changed and you know who knows what live performances and concerts are going to look like or whether we're all going to be there enjoying it but wearing masks which probably but I mean again that's going to be different too. Uh, For yourself on this new album what songs really resonate for you? Hmm I, I I don't know. It's I think that they all have they're like all little pictures and little movies and but it's interesting because the one um Matt Royal is sort of like this sequel to the last collection of songs I did was about growing up in Vancouver and being a teenager and the album ends in my mind, the album ends when it's like you're 17 and you got to leave town, which is what, you know, when I was 17, I was like, I can't wait to get out of here and see this little backwater in the rear view mirror. <laughs> and so, you know, move on to something bigger and better. And, you know, everyone kind of, I mean, a lot of people I knew really felt this way about, you know, their, their little town. They wanted to see other places. And, um, so this, the album ends, the last album ends, kind of this feeling of like, you're going to go off to school, go off to college, and and look, Vancouver's there, but you're going to leave it for now. And so the Mount Royal is sort of the next uh, song in the, in it's sort of a sequel, because it's about going off to college in Montreal and feeling out of place and being like, oh my God, I'm actually super homesick now. <laughs> And who am I? And why am I here? I don't understand this place. But then also the beauty of being in a place where you don't understand it and you don't, you know, literally the language makes no sense, but also the whole, (laughs) all the baggage of of that place and just discovering something. Uh, Well, and that probably brings back, well, obviously it does. You wrote the song about it, but it must bring back memories though, right? And and then you kind of look back and then you look forward to where you are now and you know is there anything that you would have done different now that you know so mm. much <laughs> I don't know it's so hard to say something like that because it's like 
I, you know, I do live, it's, it, I look, think about this all the time, you know, what choices did I make and what happened after because of the choices I made. And should I have, should I have done something different? Mm-hmm. But I think the thing was that I don't know if I could have made any other choice or, or that choice that I made at the time made sense. If I were who I am now, would I have made the same choice? Probably not. Some of the choices, I'm hoping I wouldn't because I feel like a, <laughs> I'm wiser. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of like you just have to accept. Like, okay, I did that. Maybe it wasn't the best idea, but I did learn a whole bunch <laughs> through this maybe weird choice that I made. Yeah. Well, I guess that is for another album to come. That's right. <laughs> Oh, well, you're go- you are going to leave us, though, with a good song. So uh, what are you going to play? And uh, I'm gonna, Yeah, I'm going to play you guys Mount Royal since I've been talking about it. And I love are your you dog, ready? by the way. I know. She's, pretty, <laughs> she's very adorable, and she can't keep away from interrupting my Zoom calls. Whenever well, I'm on a Zoom call, she's like, can I go outside? And I can't. I'm stuck. But... Um, Can you guys hear the guitar? Yes, it sounds beautiful, Susie. Okay, good. All right, here goes. It's it's, imagine you're in Montreal in the late 80s. Wandering the streets and feeling a little nostalgic and, and homesick. Shooting for 
Looking to highlight your hairstyle with some glitz and glamour? Well, you'll love Birch Accessories. They are unique in design and quality without the high-end price. Express your personal style to the world with these beautiful and affordable pieces. Order online at verdesalon.ca or birchaccessories.ca and use NEW10 for 10% off your first order. Welcome back to Hue at Home. June is also Pride Month, so on the Hue Virtual Chat, we had a great conversation about the 2S LGBTQQIA community. What was the biggest hurdle that you faced, and how did you resolve it or overcome it? Uh, we had a recent situation in Winnipeg where we couldn't pay for our um, security for the route on our main thoroughfare in Winnipeg. So we were relegated to the city by a side street. So I wrote a letter to our mayor and I said, you know, we are citizens of this city. We pay taxes. We have the right to march in the public thoroughfare like any other citizen does every year. Santa Claus gets to go down our main thoroughfare every year, so why not us? And I said to the mayor, I said, we began this uh, in 1987. And I said, you have a choice. You either, you know, make it happen next year that we go on our main thoroughfare, or we will go and do it ourselves like we did in 1987. So now we are back on our main thoroughfare. And yes, it was a few years ago, years ago, but we have to be vigilant because, as Ozoma said, we have to call out 
those bureaucrats, those policymakers, because it creeps back in very subtly. Just with the violence we see in Canada, those conversations begin at the kitchen table with the parents standing, talking, listening, educating their children about their morals and their ethics and their phobias. And we see the result today in the violence, you know, against uh, people of color, the violence against uh, queer people, because it begins at that kitchen table. And that's where we have to reach, right, to educate people. We live in the society with a constitution. You know, my uncle went to fight in World War II, and he fought for freedom against fascism. And that's the freedom I live today, is in his memory. And that's why I walk up the street. I take my space uh, in this nation on the streets to show people you can see me and I can see you. Thanks. Thank you, Albert. Uzoma? Um, so when I, when I think about, you know, biggest challenge or, or challenging moments, um, I, I really do reflect on my own personal journey mm -hmm. and you know, what, what were pivotal moments for me? And, you know, that's, that's a long story and it's, it's still being written, right? It's still, it's still a work in progress. But I certainly think about how much lighter the work that I wanted to do became when I let go of what wasn't mine. And that's really hard. It's really hard to let go of what doesn't belong to us, to, to step out of the boxes that people build and put us in and tell us we're supposed to somehow fit inside of. It's, it's a challenge. But when I did that, and when I committed to only surrounding myself with people who respected that, people who embraced that, doing the work became so much lighter. It just, because there wasn't this nagging, persistent uh, thought in the back of my mind and on my heart that was, that was putting doubt in me, that was making me question who I was. It was just a burden that was lightened tremendously. And so, you know, working alongside and, and you know, supporting people who are doing a lot of the heavy lifting, I think about the importance of lightening that load for them. You know, how can I, how can I contribute in a way that allows for people to do what they need to do, whatever that is for themselves, without carrying what doesn't belong to them. And so it's about identifying when messed up things are happening and naming it and calling it out for what it is and saying that you don't accept that, I don't accept that. You know, it's about finding ways to not only navigate the world in a way that makes sense for me, but supporting people and navigating the world in the ways that make sense for them. And so, you know, and that takes, it takes a commitment, a daily recommitment and learning and unlearning. I talk about learning and unlearning a lot because I, it's true in terms of how we move forward and, and the things we have to let go of, right? Um, but that's an ongoing challenge. And those are ongoing moments. There are moments when I'm like, I don't want to do this today. Or, 
you know, there are moments where there is that little feeling in the, your stomach where it's like, this is going to be really uncomfortable. And, and then you, you just push through, if it's, especially if it's, you know, for other folks, you push through because you want to lighten up for them. And ultimately, I wouldn't be here today if people didn't do that work before me. And so I feel a tremendous amount of responsibility to make sure that people in the future, people down the road, people right now have it easier than I've had it um, because ultimately we're all connected, so. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Uzoma. Cynthia. Yeah, it's, you would think in 2016 when I officially came out that you know, the 50 years before that the movement had begun and, you know, been working that allowed me to get to that point to deal with it. But yet I still in my own mind had to deal with the rationalization, the story that was based upon the heteronormative expectations that I knew of the way the world worked that I went I would have to be prepared to lose my birth family, to lose my marriage, to lose my kids, to lose my job, to lose my professional reputation, to lose all my friends, to lose my finances, and so on. And that some people go, oh, well, you were so brave. But as I put in the chat, being brave is simply not an absence of fear but learning to move forward in spite of it. And for me, getting out of my own way and allowing my journey to move in spite of all of that was really the challenge that I faced. And then you blossomed into somebody very, very special. And I always say it too, <laughs> sorry, acceptance without understanding. Understanding. Yes. That's I was I was blessed with that message. So Yes. Well, thank you. Yeah. Robin. Well, damn it if they hadn't taken my shit. <laughs> so uh like self stigma, that internalized stuff about oh, I should try and fit in and I I remember that I actually went to the US and worked in a ski season because I also had people telling me stuff and I was like so like all my straight friends were like you're straight all my gay friends were like you're not and I was just like my head's gonna come off and um I, I went and worked a, a ski season in the US and just went this is who I am and I, I had never done anything and I, I went back to Australia and I told my parents and my mum didn't talk to me for ages. My dad was super intelligent in the middle of a Chinese restaurant and said, all you need is a good poke and you'll be right. And I was just like, oh. Um, and, and so dealing with self-stigma, like the internal stuff, but, but also my family at the start were a challenge and, and they still are at times, right? Because, you know, when I finally let go of, I have to fit into the lesbian box. When I let go of that and like got to wear, do whatever I wanted and, and express this 
was like just life changing and you know some of my family still struggle with that like come home as long as you don't look like that or bring that weird stuff and and so I think that the challenges are, are there and I think I, I, I take from Cynthia like brave I think I'm brave every day because I'll say stuff to my family but I also made a commitment that I would never hide any of who I am so you know often we are colored tie you know ties because I love them and they're an expression of me and whenever I go to train a group or I don't care who it is I share who I am up front and I I think what I want to do is model yep goosebumps Woo! what I want to do is model how I hope the world will allow not allow will be so everyone can just be themselves in every moment so even when there's challenges with you know running training you never know what people's views are going to be and i just put it out there here's the reason why i wear this tie or this suit and like you can have your own opinions but this is me and i'm me and what i've seen is people say thank you because when they see people just stand and be themselves it allows them to step into a different space so the the challenge is wrong going right you know they they haven't gone away they just sit there and sometimes they pop out and i'm like yeah i heard you now why don't you just sort off um because i'm gonna be me every moment of the day and that puts me in places that I could get hurt and I'm going to do it anyway. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. And that is why you are Robin Priest, Live Your Truth, peer, mentor, supporter, everything, great listener. You put everything into perspective. What, what would be your biggest hope and wish in all of these years that you've been such an activist well, what I do is uh, I work with the Ojibwe language specialists, and as Rana mentioned, the importance of, uh, you know, mother languages. And uh, there is a belief in the Ojibwe language about the creation of humans. And it predates colonization. And what the belief is, is the belief is that every child born has a role, a purpose, a destiny, and a divine gift. That is what the indigenous people believe about creation of humans, that we all have that potential, uh, regardless of our gender identity or our sexuality. Indigenous people understood this tens of thousands of years ago, and that is something we want to share with the world. Our understanding of the relationship of the human to the natural world, the spiritual world, and there was no discrimination. And so we can build on that, right? That we all carry a divine gift. We are intentional, right? No matter what anybody says, we are intentional parts of creation. Thank you. Thank you, Albert, so much. 
We want to say a special thank you to all of our guests on today's show and leave you with this question. Would you hire a life coach and why? We want to know, so send us an email to hello at ilikehugh.com or you can message us on Facebook and Instagram at ilikehugh. But for now, stay safe and stay healthy. And we'll see you next time on Hugh at Home. Listening. This has been a production of iLikeHugh.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.